All right, here we go. Focus. Proverbs chapter 4. I'm looking at verse number 25. And the Bible says this. I'm reading out of the New King James Version. It says this. It says, let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. In God's words translation, it says, let your eyes look straight ahead and your sight be what? Focused in front of you. Let your sight be focused in front of you. Don't look to the left or to the right. Don't look all around. I'm right in front of you, God is saying. You know, we live in a world today that's really focused on options. Uh, our world today is all about options. Options are the norm. When you go to buy a cell phone, you want some options. Well, what does this phone do? What does that phone do? When we go to purchase something for our home, we want different options. Does it do this? What color is it? We want options. We sometimes feel as though we're being cheated if we don't have options. If you go somewhere and they say, well, this is what it is, take it or leave it, you might say, well, I don't want that. I mean, why? I have no options. I want to see what else there is. You know, we, we, we like to multitask, don't we? I know I do. Because when we multitask, sometimes we feel as though we're actually getting something done. And I really believe that this has caused us to be a people who are capable of many things without enjoying any of them. Come on now. We're capable of doing so much and enjoying so little. I mean, when you really think about it, wouldn't you rather do only a couple of things and really enjoy them than do many things and just be stressed out? I mean, I've been a person in my life who's loved to multitask. Now, don't get me wrong. When I, I'm ready to sit back and you know, watch the, the football game or relax or whatever it might be, I'm definitely able to do that. Uh, but when I, when I work and when I go to work and, and I'm doing things, I, I really feel like if I'm not multitasking, I'm not getting anything done. If I'm just doing one thing, it seems like, well, this is just, that's not, I didn't really get that much done today because I only did that one thing. I want to multitask. I want to do many, I want to get the benefit of multitasking. But I've come to find out that the benefit of multitasking is a myth. Come on. I believe that God is calling us to focus, to refine our efforts on the purpose and vision that he's given to you. You'll find that highly successful people, many of them, are highly focused. And you'll find that highly focused people rarely multitask. Come on. Successful people focus in on one thing to boost their attentiveness and their productivity. You know, studies have shown that our brains are really built to handle one or two tasks. We can handle two complicated tasks and make very few mistakes uh, because of these two sides of our brain. They can handle that. Studies have shown that you add a third task to that, you can overload this frontal lobe here. Come on. And now your rate of mistakes is increased exponentially. Because our brains are just not built that way. They're built to focus on one thing at a time. Now, let me just clarify as we get into this message series. 
I'm not talking about focusing on small menial tasks. So focused on a menial task that you miss the forest for the trees. I'm not talking about having on blinders and not being able to discern or see what God is doing in your life. I'm not talking about being so focused that God can't interrupt you and take you a different direction. That's not what I'm talking about. But what God does want us to do is, first of all, understand the purpose and vision that he's given for us and let us focus on that. You ever heard the term scatterbrained? Come on, who's heard that before? I've heard it several times. I won't tell you why or from who, but I've heard it before. And uh, God's saying, listen, don't be so scatterbrained. <laughs> focus, focus. God is right now trying to get our attention this year. How many parents we got in the room? You, uh, how many children we got in the room? All right, yeah, some or not either, but that's okay. If you're a parent, you've had to grab your child at a time, and if you're a child, your parents probably grabbed you and said, look at me. Look at me. I want you to look at me when I talk to you. Because when I tell you to clean your room, take out the trash, do the dishes, or cook dinner, or whatever it might be, I don't want you to be thinking about something else. I don't want you to be thinking about shopping, or because when I come home, you never told me that. Look at me. God this morning doesn't want to hear, you never told me that. He wants us to be focused. We went on a trip over uh, the holidays, and uh, it was really our Christmas. It was what, you know, we didn't do gift exchange or anything like that, uh, you know, which I, was fine for Dietra and I. I don't know if it was fine for the kids, but it's what it was. And, uh, but we did a trip. We went on a trip to New York City. And uh, before it got so cold, it wasn't so cold. So we, we had an enjoyable time and, you know, on Broadway and 7th Avenue. And we did Central Park and all of that kind of stuff. And we saw a show on Broadway and, and all of that. We just had a great time. We were there just short of a week. And, uh, you know, a lot of people, people everywhere bumping into each other. Uh, but we really enjoyed it. But there was a moment when we were going through the airport. And I began to think, and I looked at us, and I thought, each of us has our own bag because the kids are a little bit older now, so each of them has their own, you know, luggage. You know, when they were real little, you just pack it all in your, with your luggage, you know. And, but they all have their own luggage, so five of us, and we have five bags, and then we even had an extra bag. Uh, so we're carrying six bags around. And then we had, uh, you know, what, electronics bags and purses and take-on bags. And I began to think, man, all these bags. And then I looked at other people in the airport. And I said, man, all these people have all this baggage. And it just seems like it's difficult to travel with all this baggage. I know before when I've traveled and I've traveled alone, one of the things I try to do is just put everything in a carry-on if I'm able to. That way I just have just that bag, I take it with me, I don't have to go to baggage. You know, it's a lot lighter and it's a lot easier to travel with less baggage. Well, some of us have a lot of spiritual baggage, come on. And just as it's difficult to move through the airport with all of that baggage and travel with all that baggage, it's difficult for us to move through life with a lot of baggage. And so this first message, I want to talk to you a little bit about as we begin to focus, the first thing that we need to do is leave the baggage. It's difficult to focus when you have a lot of excess baggage. 
Here's what I'm talking about when I talk about focus. Here's my definition. There's a lot of words here, but here's what I'm talking about when I talk about focus. I'm talking about adapt to the prevailing level of light to be able to see clearly. Now, that's, that's powerful before you even look at those other words. Just that right there. Adapt to the prevailing level of light and be able to see clearly. You understand that there's a prevailing level of light. God is shining a light. But it's up to us to adapt to that light. Not for God to adapt to us. This is what I want to do. God, come over here and bless what I'm doing and shine light on it. God's saying, I'm already shining a light, but you need to adapt to the light that I'm shining through my word. Come on. To steer, target, train, aim, attempt. Focus means to attempt. Focus is not sitting on the couch waiting for something to happen. Focus is to attempt, come on, to cast, to concentrate, contemplate, to direct. I mean, it's the opposite of foggy and hazy and lost and all of those things. Focused means to adapt and move forward. We can't do that with distractions. Distractions are anything that prevents someone from giving full attention to something else. It turns your attention away. That means you're not focused. You're not focused when you have distractions. Come on. And so in this first message, I want to talk to you about tuning in to the right frequency to hear God's voice and accomplish his purpose for you. But in order to do that, come on, we must leave the distractions. We must leave the baggage behind. We got to leave it behind. Turn your Bible to Hebrews chapter number 12. Hebrews chapter 12. This is a familiar passage of scripture to many. As I know you're some scholars and theologians out there. You probably studied this particular chapter of scripture in Hebrews. Right after what we call the faith chapter. Then the writer goes on and tells us what we need to do to be focused. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us what? Lay aside. How many other weights? Every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. The King James says besets us. Come on. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. Don't leave it out. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We must look ahead and lay aside every weight. Any distraction that keeps you from accomplishing your goal, the question you should ask yourself, as I am asking myself, why am I holding on to it? Why am I holding on to it? Things that used to be good, but now are a weight. Come on. Why are we holding on to it? You'll remember King David committed sin, and out of that sin and that adultery came a child. And you'll remember that uh, the child got sick and the child died. And David was lamenting for the child. 
But once the child was dead, as harsh as it sounds, now it's time to move forward. Because now that's behind you. You remember a time when the, after the Israelites came out of Egypt, crossed the Red Sea, went through the desert, and were crossing over into the promised land, and Moses died. And Joshua began to grieve for Moses. And God allowed him to grieve for Moses, but God had some things that he wanted the Israelites to accomplish. So finally, he had to say, Joshua, my servant Moses is dead. Get up! And it's time to move forward. Why are we hanging on to things? Yet they used to be good, but now they're a weight. They're distractions. Why are we hanging on to relationships? Come on, somebody. I don't even want to get into that. What's in your bag? What's in your bag? Come on. Baggage. This word has a symbolic meaning. In our culture, as we speak of a person who has personal baggage, well, you know, I really like that girl. Well, that's okay, but you know she has a lot of baggage. Well, he's just so nice to me, and he's cute. He is cute, but he has a lot of baggage. Come on, we've heard that before. Well, what are we talking about when we're talking about baggage? A myriad of things. Baggage is hurts, things, objects, personal habits circumstances, and especially, I'm going to focus in on this in a little bit, beliefs and attitudes, come on, that get in our way. Some of us need to drop some attitudes because our attitudes are actually baggage. And we're talking about focusing, come on. Baggage is something maybe from the past that continues to weigh you down. Bad experiences, unresolved issues, come on, and mistakes. Listen, I just want to insert here that the enemy comes, in case you didn't know it, to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come, I already came, I've come and done my work that you might have life and that more abundantly. And by the way, God also said, I'm able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or think. And if you remember back in the Old Testament, it still holds true today that God wants to make his people the head and not the tail. He wants you to be out in the lead, not the government. He wants the church to be in the lead. Come on. He wants you to be above and never again beneath. And he said, listen, if you'll meditate, if you'll keep this word in my mouth, if you'll meditate to do all that is written therein, you will make your own way prosperous. And you will have not bad success. You'll not just get money and things. That can weigh you down, but you'll have good success. My point is God wants you to be blessed. Not saying bad things won't happen, but you'll be blessed through it all. You'll be able to walk through the storm on the water. Come on. God wants to bless you, but what's in your bag? I wrote down four kinds of baggage that people have. You got the handbag person. That's the person you have things that you've packed in your life. They're a nuisance, but they're manageable. You're able to manage them. This bag is mobile, which is not good because you take it everywhere you go. You see, you can say, look, you know, here in Bloomington, I just had, you call it 
maybe bad luck. I don't know what it is. People call it all kinds of things and things that just went wrong and this job was bad and that happened. I was in that relationship. I'm going to move to Houston. But guess what? You're taking your little bag with you. So when you get to Houston, you have bad relationships, bad job, can't handle money. Same thing in Bloomington. It wasn't Bloomington that done it to you. It was all little things in your handbag. Come on. Likewise, we got the carry-on bag person. Things you have packed for a special season of life, special event, events. This baggage comes out of a t- at, comes out at times where it may be inconvenient or unforeseen. In other words, maybe around Christmas something bad happened, and I'm not putting that down. Or maybe this time of year, maybe June. Maybe you you were divorced at one time in your life, or somebody stole something from you, and it happened on June 17th. And every time that person's birthday comes around, you're just mad that day. Come on. You got your carry-on bag. You went and picked up the bag. You put it in the closet, but now you picked it up. Carry-on bag person. And you got the suitcase person. Now, the suitcase person, that's things you have packed for a getaway and escape from reality, hoping not to bring them back. See, this is the person that you don't really deal with stuff. You just pack it all up and you try to leave it over here and then don't pay attention to it anymore. And there's some hurts, there's some offenses, there's some stuff. But guess what? I'm just not, not going to deal with it. I'm just not going to pay attention to it. Whatever, that just happened. But guess what? That stuff comes back up later. It comes back up later. It's your suitcase. Then finally, you got the trunk person. Woo! Things you have put into your life trunk. Locked up and put in the attic. These are things you put there deep down. Stuff that you forgot about, but you still haven't dealt with. Significant events in life that bring to memory again the things that were locked away and kept hidden. You know, the enemy, he always brings up things. Maybe things that we've done in our life. Failures and all of that. And the only reason why it gets under our skin is because we haven't dealt with it. See, a person who's dealt with failures and offenses and all of those types of things, the enemy can bring it up all they want to. doesn't bother me. I've dealt with it. I've been forgiven. I've asked for forgiveness. I've forgiven the other person. Well, it's it's done. It's it's over because I dealt with it. Come on. You've got to be able to deal. What excess baggage are you carrying? (laughs) Come on. All those areas in our life that are unresolved, pushed to the side. Here's all the things that can be excess baggage. It could be a deep wound that's never healed. A broken heart. Don't raise your hand, but how many have had their heart broken? Some of you broke some hearts. Come on. A ruined relationship. A hidden moral mistake. Boy, if people just knew, you know, that I did that thing or said that thing or whatever it was, if they only knew. You ever been in a situation where somebody's praising you? You're just such a great person and you're, you're so kind and I'm just so thankful you're in my life. And something comes up in your mind, you thought, yeah, you, if you knew that I did that one thing or said that one thing that one time, you wouldn't be saying that. I don't know, maybe that's just happened to me. But anyway, uh, you know, a character flaw, an addiction, uncontrolled anger. Come on now. Some of the nicest people have some uncontrolled anger. I mean, it could be, this is real life stuff, an unwanted pregnancy, critical spirit, feeling unloved or lonely, come on, overly dependent on others, 
Maybe you're a person that carries unforgiveness. Is it hard for you to forgive when somebody offends you? Come on. Unbearable emptiness, uncontrollable. This is, this is big. Uncontrollable thought life. This is what God is telling us. It's, it's gr- Listen, you know, I don't want to come against daydreaming. I heard a great message years ago from Miles Monroe. Anybody know who Miles Monroe was? He was a great preacher in the Bahamas, and he talked a lot about purpose. And he talked about sometimes you could be maybe at work and you're maybe you have a cubicle and you're in your cubicle and your mind always uh, seems to drift to this thing. And you see yourself doing this other thing or owning this business and all of that. And you say, oh, you know, that's just something I'm just daydreaming. And he, he said, you know, you might want to think about it and pray about it because that could be your purpose. You know, your mind could be going there for a reason. But God doesn't want us to have uncontrollable thought life. Because if it's uncontrolled, then the enemy can take hold of it. Come on. What about nagging guilt and shame? And I'm going to say this, confused sexuality. Come on, in today's time, it's confusing. <laughs> uh, it, it, anyway, unstable emotions, not the time. I'll go into that maybe later. Rejection, all of those things. Listen, it's time for us. I've listed tons of things It's time for us, before we can go forward and focus, to take an inside look. Let's look inside. Are you aware of what's going on inside of you? Are you uncomfortable when a conversation shifts to a a topic uh, that you are struggling with? You know, maybe you're in a small group, maybe you're at Bible study, maybe you're just in a conversation with people at work, and it shifts to a topic uh, and, and then all of a sudden you're uncomfortable with that. Maybe there's something going on inside of you. Most of us know things about ourselves that no one else knows in the world. And we wouldn't want them to know. But here's the reality of the situation. If we're going to focus, if we're going to be blessed, if we're going to be the head and not the tail, if we're going to be overcomers, come on, if we're going to be what God has called us to be, then we have to deal with the baggage. We have to deal with it. Come on. Those who successfully ignore the inward ache and corruption, those are people who deal with baggage in their own way. It's one way to deal with it. There are those who are gripped by awareness that something is terribly wrong inside of them, but they don't do anything. One way to deal with it. There are those who deal with whatever they can handle and ignore the rest. It's another way to deal with it. Just whatever I can handle, I'll deal with that. The rest of it, I can't deal with. Talk to me about the rest. I'm doing this. How many know that all of it needs to be dealt with, though, at some point or another? And then there are those who courageously face all that is in their bag. Sometimes we use this phrase, I own it. You ever heard that phrase, I'm going to own it. I made the mistake and I'm going to own it. This thing happened and I'm going to own it. I offended that person, I'm going to own it. God's saying this morning, we just need to own it. Let's face it. It's not going away. All you're going to do is get older and it's still going to be there. Five years from now, you're going to be five years older and so will it. Come on. We got to deal with it. Here's a question for you. Who packed your bag? Who packed your bag? Your life could be packed by 
life's experiences. Your bag could be packed by life's experiences. You ever heard this? Life comes at you fast. Come on. It does. Life comes at you fast. I mean, there are some people, listen, Joseph, his life could have been packed with bitterness in his bag, couldn't it? But he turned it around and received grace and forgiveness. Things were done to Joseph without anything done on his part to bring them on. They were just done to him. So he could have packed bitterness. He could have had a root of bitterness in there, but he didn't. He didn't do that. He forgave. What about David? His life could have been packed with anger, rejection. He could have put all that in his bag, but he didn't. You remember Ruth? Ruth, her life could have been packed with a broken heart. She could have just left it there. My heart was broken. Sorrow, no future. But she used these life experiences to learn grace and the hope of God's surprises. She didn't allow life to pack her bag. Your life could be packed by the enemy of your soul. Come on. The devil could pack back your bag. Happened to Job. He wasn't doing anything. And God allowed the devil to do some things. Come on. Could be packed by your own reaction and unresolved issues. But here it is. Let's deal with it. There are different types of people that deal with this. And what I want to just leave you with are these attitudes that I believe we need to deal with. There's a lot of things in our baggage that we need to deal with. But this is what I see that is at the top of the heap are these attitudes, the way that we think towards things. We need to deal with this baggage, folks. Six types of attitudes. The first one comes out of people whose life is empty and limited. Your life is empty and and limited. Here's what that means. Maybe you haven't accomplished in life what you thought you should have. Maybe you're a great musician or uh, you're a great engineer or you're a great whatever it might be and you grew up thinking you were going to do that and you, and you set out to do that and you never quite accomplished what you thought you should accomplish in life. And you look back over your life and you begin to say, look at where I am and look at Jody. Look at where she is. Now you fall into the sin of comparison. And I'm poor. Poor spiritually. Poor situationally. Poor socially. This leads to what we've talked about today. The woe is me attitude. We need to get that out of our bag, saints. As hard as it sounds. I mean, I started off with the hardest one. As hard as it sounds, because like Joseph, there are some things that have happened to us. Come on. That we didn't bring on ourselves. But that woe is me attitude, let's get it out. People whose life is empty and limited. That's that woe is me attitude. What about people whose life is broken? Broken hearted. You know, in the Greek, that means to, to, to break, but it means to strike against something. Broken heartedness hurts. And broken people are everywhere. In every pew, in every seat sometimes, there's a, a person who at some point in their life has been broken. Maybe sitting next to you, maybe at work, maybe in your family, 
I mean, alcoholism, drugs, addictions, habits. There are broken people. But the attitude that we can't move forward, I've been there. I've been a person who's been broken by things of life. And I had this attitude, well, all I want to do is just live out my life. I, I love the Lord, and I'm sure at some point he had a calling on my life to do something. But you know what? I've been through this thing, and so let's just forget doing all of that. Uh, I, I don't want to not be saved. I'm not, you know, trying to go to hell. I'm not trying to go to the lake of fire. Uh, but I'll just live my life. If I don't do anything great, that's fine. Because I'm brokenhearted. And I have the attitude that God doesn't have a purpose for me. And I came here. And my uh, surrogate father sat across from me and told me that God still has a great purpose for your life. Because he's greater than the enemy. And if you take that attitude, you're saying that the blood has lost its power. You're saying that God is not able to do exceeding abundantly above all you ask or think. That's what you're saying. So think about that as you have the attitude that I'm not going to do anything great. God has called you to great things even though you may be broken. Think about this. God may have uh, had to break some things in your life. He may have had to break you to get your attention and to put you together the way he wants to put you together instead of you being put together the way you wanted to be put together. Come on. People whose life is conquered. Come on. There have been people, this, this is all falls under the same umbrella. You know, you're a person who, uh, listen, I, I, I've never really had much college. You know, I've, I barely got out of high school uh, with a C average. You know, I grew up on the left side of the tracks instead of the right. Uh, whatever it might be, there's life experiences. You know, I'm this color. Uh, you know, I don't have any hair. Uh, you know, I'm, uh, I'm too short. Uh, whatever it might be, you can think of all these things that are wrong with you, the way God made you, and use those as excuses, come on, to not move forward in life. But God said, whoever will, come on, come to me. I'm able to do it through you. Jesus said, I come to proclaim liberty to the captives. So if you feel like your life is conquered, that you grew up on the wrong side of the tracks or grew up in a small town or grew up with no opportunities or in this family and my dad didn't treat me right, my mom uh, never did this and always talked down to me. Listen, God is a great father and you're able to overcome all of that. Again, I'm not putting any of those things down, but listen, if we're going to focus, we're going to have to get past it. We're going to have to get past it. We got to move forward. People who have lost visions and dreams. Because of some of these things that have happened, now I've lost my vision and dream. And God is saying, I don't care how young or old you are. I don't care what your age. You're able to do it if you'll just put it in my hand. I don't care. Jesus said, I'm going to make the blind recover their sight. What about this? People whose strength is drained. You've tried, you've tried, and tried, and you just haven't been able to overcome. Do you feel like giving up? Well, God has an answer for that. Be not weary in your well-doing. 
Sometimes it just sounds like he's not very compassionate, doesn't it? Lord, I've tried. I've tried ten times. How long, how many times must I forgive this person? Be not weary in your well-doing. You will overcome and you will have victory if you do not faint. You do not faint. People whose strength is drained, their liberty is oppressed. What about people who don't believe it's their time? These are the people that just look at other people and say, well, you know, there's Becky and she's great and she can sing. I can sing a little bit, but I'm just going to stay over here, not really sing in the microphone of life. But I'll just keep it down here and let someone else, I'll let Sister Patty be in the front. I'll be the person in the back. I like back, the back stuff anyway. I like doing lights and making everybody else look good. And that's a great humble attitude, but if you're not careful, you fall into a false humility. Because there's times when God says, get out there. It's your time. And I've called you for such a time as this, Esther. But I'm just, yeah, you're just who I called you to be. You're just who I called you to be. So we got to get rid of that attitude. People who don't believe it's their time. Jesus said, I proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Your, God's favor is on you. And when you have that attitude and all you want to do is be in the background, yet God is calling you to do something, you're, you're putting God down. You're saying, oh, well, I'm not. God knows you're not. I know you're not, God is saying. But I am able. I am able if you give yourself to me. These attitudes we must get rid of. We must get rid of them. And here's the thing. We think in our mind, well, you know, we've, I've got all these attitudes, so now I just got to really try hard to get rid of them. And I believe that Jesus is saying, don't try hard to get rid of them. Just give them to me. I'm here to help you. What I want you to do is deal with it. I want you to speak and admit it. I want you to look in the mirror and be introspective. I don't want you to hide it because if you hide it, I won't be able to deal with it because you won't be able to lay it at the altar. So God is saying, bring it to the surface. He's saying, I'm not trying to embarrass you in front of other people. You don't have to put it out in front of other people. Bring it to the surface of your heart, of your mind. You ever done things in your life and, and now all of a sudden, some years later, you think back on that and you think, I don't even want to think about that. That was terrible. I don't want to think about that thing I did. Well, God is saying, let's deal with it once and for all. Bring it to the forefront of your mind. The power of Jesus is present and available to help you. The spirit of the Lord and the anointing are present and available here today to help you. And we must know that Jesus is willing and waiting for your reach of faith. He's waiting for you to say, Lord, here I am. You can use me. Jesus is here to give grace and empty out your baggage. I was thinking about one time I heard a story about a swimmer who was swimming. He was swimming to a lifeboat, but he just couldn't make it. And he felt like giving up. And someone shouted out to him, drop the rock that's in your hand. <laughs> and he dropped the rock and he was able to easily swim to the boat. Come on. 
Jesus says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What a friend we have in Jesus. 2 Corinthians 3.17, now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is. These are sweet words. There is what? Liberty, freedom. Luke 13.12, but when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. Jesus is here to take everything out of your baggage if you'll give it to him.